Thank you for downloading the Beacon Church podcast. We hope that you enjoy today's message and that you find that God speaks to you through it. Am I there? I'm there. I often don't need a microphone because my voice is wonderfully loud. Um, but I think it's for the recording purposes more than anything else. Um, it's great to be able to speak, as always, at Beacon, um, particularly on a day like today. Baptisms, I love them. I um, also love talking about Jesus. Um, I love expressing my faith. And it's also exciting to be able to stand and see some faces that I haven't seen for a while. So I'm looking forward to catching up with some of you later on. Um, I was thinking this week about often I'm put in situations where I have to explain things to people who don't understand certain things. So I'm a teacher in a secondary school, and every day you're in a classroom and you're trying to explain a concept, what this concept is and how someone is meant to understand it, so that then the next lesson, it all pe- oh, it's bright there, the next lesson it's all, it pieces together and it makes sense as one story. Um, and actually, over the last seven years as a teacher, I've realised that I've got quite good at this. I think I can turn up to a lesson and explain a concept so that it makes sense. I have had students that have passed, and that makes me feel good. Some of them are here today. Um, But what has challenged me more than anything is doing that with my children. So I have two children. One of them is Zeph. He's one and a half. He doesn't really speak. He's crazy. He just like screams, grabs your face and causes pain. Um, You'll probably see him at the end. My other one is Esme. She's four. And she started asking questions about Jesus. And I'm finding it hard. I'm finding it hard to explain how I understand Jesus and those concepts for her. So in November, we're walking past the War Memorial. Um, in Brixton, and Esme, as Esme does, sees poppies, and she wants those poppies. And I try and explain to her, no, we don't take those poppies, people leave them. She didn't understand why you would ever leave flowers. Um, But I said, no, we don't, we leave them there because people have died in the war. And we're trying to understand, okay, okay, this is what happens when people die. So a few days later, we're sitting on the sofa, and she says, Daddy, when people die, can they open their eyes? And I say, well... I'm a Christian and we believe in Jesus, so actually I believe that when you, when you die, um, because you love Jesus and know Jesus, then you're going to be with him forever, so you can open your eyes. And she said, Daddy, no. No, no, Daddy, no, Daddy. They, they can't open their eyes. And the conversation continued on the sofa, and we went from one thing to another, and I'm thinking, I'm good at this, but I just can't do it. And we're having this conversation, and she starts saying, okay, uh, what about God, what about Jesus? And I'm saying, well, we can talk to him. Daddy, he never talks back. And I'm thinking, okay, how do we try and get past that question? And then I said, okay, remember we read this story. We read a story a while ago, and it was about Noah's Ark, and there was an, a rainbow in the sky. And remember that rainbow was about God giving us a promise. So sometimes God gives us a picture to show us what he's trying to say to us. See where I'm going here? I'm trying to explain it to her. And um, she says, okay. And I said, so should we pray and ask that God gives us pictures in our heads so that we can understand what God's trying to say? She said, fine. And uh, we closed our eyes, and I prayed a very simple, straightforward prayer. And we opened our eyes, and um, I said, did God give you a picture? She said, yes. I said, what did you see? She said, Daddy, I see dead people. (laughs) (laughs) And she had taken one, one conversation with another, combined them both, and all I'm thinking is, my daughter's going back to reception, someone's going to say, how was your weekend? And she's going to say, I prayed to my daddy, closed my eyes, and now I see dead people. <laughs> and uh, that freaks me out. And actually, I'm hoping this morning goes better than that. 
that's the link into this preach. Actually, I'm hoping that I explain something, and when you hear it, you think, oh, it actually does make sense. You're not going away thinking something weird and wacky. Because today is a really big day. I would call it like a stake in the ground day. You see, in the past, people would discover land, and they would literally like, drive a stake into the land, into the ground, and claim it to be theirs. You see, when mankind went to the moon, they raised the flag to say that they had accomplished it, they'd, they'd achieved the prize. In the past, armies would literally fire hundreds or thousands of arrows onto a piece of land to say that that land is ours. Our identity lies here. And for seven people today, it's a stake in the ground moment. It's a moment to stand and declare to those that they know and that they love that they're actually about something else now. In fact, they're about someone else now, and that someone is Jesus. I get excited about days like today. I'm a bit of an emotional guy. Um, doesn't take much to set me off. Um, but certainly on days like today, I'm fighting back the tears because actually you get to watch people. You get to hear stories how lives have been transformed. It fills me with joy. When you know someone, when you've done life with them, when, you, when you've seen them grow up from someone who was young and actually they decided to follow Jesus and their life starts to change. And because you know them, you know you couldn't have done this on your own. Actually, God has done something. And suddenly the things that you were living for, um, they're not the things you're living for anymore. Suddenly God's put these desires and dreams inside of you and you just want to work out how to follow it and how to pursue that dream that God has given you. That's how amazing Jesus is. And baptism is the culmination of choosing to follow Christ. And I want to unpack the scriptures to show you how amazing Jesus is and why, when I was 15, I chose to get baptized myself. You see, in the book of Acts in the Bible, there's this guy called Philip. And he's just burst onto the scene. At this point, Jesus has died, rose again, gone up to heaven. And Philip has, has just got this relationship with God. He just cannot help but tell people about Jesus. Now, this would be fine, but the problem is, at the time, people were getting killed for being Christians. But that's not really stopping him. So he's running around telling everyone, this is who Jesus is, this is what he's done in my life, and he's leading people to Christ. He is so overwhelmed with what Jesus has done in his life, he just can't help but tell people. And actually, we pick up in the story in the book of Acts. It says this, Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Go south to the road, the desert road, that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out, and on his way, he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official, in charge of all the treasury. So up to this point, Philip has spent his time speaking to Jews, to men and women from his background, from his culture, to men and women that he understood. They'd been in the same place. He got where they were coming from. But actually, God had a bigger and better plan. God said, actually, I want my purposes and my promises to go to the ends of the earth. You can't just speak to the people who are just like you. I want everyone to find out what Jesus has done. Because Philip is in tune with who God is and what he's doing, Philip decides to listen to God and actually say, do you know what, I'm going to go and do what you say. You see, God will put significant people into your life, people of faith. I look back on my own life and I was really blessed. I was brought up in a Christian family. Mum and dad loved Jesus. Older brother and sister loved Jesus. It used to infuriate me growing up and I look back and really appreciate it. Um, but also I had these youth leaders and uh, these youth leaders really... God used them to draw me in, to show me who he was. Not just in the things that he said, that they said, but also just the way that they acted, the way they brought up their children, the way that they involved me in their life. They demonstrated Christ to me. And those getting baptized today will be able to identify people in their life that God has placed in it for an impact for him. 
It's just a small sign that God actually does know what he's doing, that God can weave the fabric of humanity in his hands. For some here today, you may not believe in Jesus. You might have believed in him before. You might have made a commitment to him, or you might have never known anything about him. I don't really know where you stand, but I am very happy to potentially be that person that God has put in your way today. Just like Philip was put in the way of this Ethiopian to tell him about Jesus, I'm happy to be that guy standing in front of you. And there will be an opportunity at the end that if you don't know Jesus and you want to know him, if you want to have a relationship with him, then I'd encourage you, don't leave today unless you ask a few questions about who he is. So back to Philip. He goes over to the man, over to this Ethiopian eunuch, and he's riding a chariot at this point, and he hears him reading a Bible passage. And it comes from the book of Isaiah. And it says this, He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before its shearer is silent. So he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. Now this man was from Ethiopia. He wasn't a Jew. He didn't know the scriptures. To be honest, I don't even know how he got hold of them. But he was intrigued. He didn't know what it meant. Okay, he couldn't piece it together. Who is this guy? What's it speaking about? What do you mean that he, he was like this? I don't quite understand. It seems to speak of a man who was ruined. It seems to be quite significant, but I don't get it. So he asks Philip a question. He says, tell me please, who is the prophet talking about, himself or someone else? This must have been music to Philip's ears. Here is a man in front of him who wants to know the greatest story that has ever happened a story that literally turns the world upside down and I get the opportunity to explain it to him. This is what Philip loves doing. So the Bible says this, Philip began with that very passage of scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. Now we don't have the conversation, sadly. So after this, we don't get the conversation where Philip and the Ethiopian are sitting there and Philip unpacks the scriptures. And we probably don't because it probably was just looking back over scripture and a repeat of everything that has already happened. But actually, we do have the word of God. We do have the Bible with us today. And that's what I'm going to use to try and unpack this story for you. I bet Philip started with creation with God literally speaking the world into existence, with the fact that he made mankind differently. It says we were made in his image to represent him, to have a relationship with him, to literally commune with the living gods of the universe. You see, there's a reason why when humanity starts to get creative through song, literature, or the media, that it often comes back to love. It speaks about love, because actually that's the core of our being. It's who we are. We were created for love and to love by the God that made us. But mankind decided to turn away, to forge a better plan, to seek power, authority, and control. Now, maybe the Ethiopian at this point was sceptical, like some of you might be here today. Okay, you're talking about this Adam and Eve story. I've heard about this. Isn't that just a myth? This whole concept of sin, is that actually true? It doesn't seem tangible to me. What are you talking about? And if he did ask that question, I'm sure Philip would have pointed him to the destructive nature of mankind, just like I would today. To the fact that our actions are clearly not conducive to being image bearers of God. That even if we manage to control what we do, if we keep our desires in check, if we don't actually um, take part in some of the things that we want to, when we look at ourselves, often even inside of ourselves, that we are, we, we're full of shame by the way that we act, by the things that we think. The society, even though it's developing, even though we are progressing, seems to be more corrupt and lost than ever. you just got to turn on the news to see that. Mankind has fallen, 
The relationship that God has in store for us is broken, and it all seemed lost. But at this point, at the very beginning of scriptures, at the very beginning, just after this event, thousands of years before Jesus ever turned up on the scene, God gives a promise. He says, I'm going to sort it out. Probably didn't use the word gonna. But he says, I'm going to sort it out. Okay? And he's saying there's going to be someone who comes who's going to crush sin. And by crushing it, he's going to sort out the problem, but he's going to harm himself in the process. And this one promise arches all the way through Scripture and indeed goes back to that passage, which we'll get to at the end. It arches through everything. It pierces everything. And I bet Philip then took the Ethiopian to the story of Abraham. This old married man with no children of his own, unable to have children, to a promise that God gave him. He said, you see those stars in the sky? They're not London stars, okay? When you look up to the stars in London, you might see the odd speck and then you realize it's a satellite flashing or a plane moving, okay? It's not those kind of stars. I took some students on a trip um, a few years ago and one boy looked up and said, oh, look, sir, fireworks. I was like, they're not fireworks, they're stars. Okay, that's London living right there for you. Okay, we don't, we don't see the glory of what God has created. But when God said to Abraham, you see those stars, Abraham would have looked up and said, yeah, I can really see those stars. And God says, your descendants are going to be more numerous than that. I'm an old man, I can't have kids, how ridiculous. And then God follows it up with another promise. You see those grains on the shore. Imagine Abraham like kneeling down, picking up a handful of sand and trying to count the grains in his hand. And just in my hand, I can't count them alone. And God said, you see those grains? Your descendants will outnumber those. A promise to a man that from him, the world will be filled with a people that love God. I guess then Philip took the Ethiopian through the descendants to Abraham's son Isaac and Isaac's son Jacob, then to Jacob's 12 sons who become the the 12 tribes of Israel, God's chosen nation. Then particularly to Joseph at a time in Egypt where God's chosen people were in slavery. And then to Moses, you might have heard of him. Moses, a man that God used to help set his people through. That through severe destruction, God's voice literally bellowed out, let my people go. Then there was this really strange request that God gave. You know, take an animal, sacrifice the animal, take that blood, put the blood on a doorpost, and you get set free from that. It seems really weird. None of it completely seems to make sense at the time. Then the people of Israel literally are running from Egypt. The Egyptians are pursuing them. They get to a river. God gives them a way through this river. They're saved through a blood sacrifice, which culminates with a journey through water. At this point, the law was given. Ten commandments, if you want to call it that. Now, when Philip took time to breathe, maybe the Ethiopian would have said, oh, I've heard of this law, these commandments. They're impossible to follow. I understand not committing adultery, not murdering, but to honor your mum and dad in everything, to never lie. Okay, don't quite understand how this piece is together. Why would God, God give us commandments that we cannot follow? Why would God tell us to do something which shows that we fail? If I was Stephen, I would have smiled. Because maybe I would have questioned this myself. The law is seen as a guardian, like a parent that keeps a reign of protection over his child. Although the Israelites so often failed, the law protected them from assimilation. It protected them from becoming like everyone else. It made them distinct. Therefore, it protected the promise that God had given long ago, that someone was going to come who was going to crush sin, that someone was going to come who was going to take that punishment on himself, that someone was going to come in the line of Abraham whose descendants would fill the earth to the glory of God. 
God's promise was being carried through a people, and it was a people that were being protected by the law. Philip would surely have spoken of sacrifice. We've already seen it in Egypt, how a lamb was so often chosen, a lamb without blemish, there's nothing wrong with it, to die, and that blood was used to signify that the punishment of sin was gone. That ultimately, mankind's corruption could only be rectified through a just punishment, and that consequence was death. But sadly, this sacrifice had to happen all the time. One animal couldn't really do it because we carried on sinning. We carried on messing up. So it's sacrifice after sacrifice after sacrifice. And we see that through scripture. We couldn't be these image bearers that God made us to be. In fact, mankind was so alienated from God that they built this temple and there was literally a massive curtain that separated the people from God. And only one person once a year could enter that temple through the curtain to make a sacrifice on behalf of everyone. It was crazy. God was so holy that our sinfulness means we couldn't come back to him. Created for love, designed for love, unable to truly love. The relationship was over. It was broken. The Ethiopian might have asked at this point, this links to the passage I was reading here, and actually, talking about sacrifice, death, a sign to peace together. It sounds like a man may have taken this sacrifice upon himself. Why would he do that? And surely this is where Philip brought the story to land. That man was Jesus. He wasn't just a man. That man was God. This passage was written many, many years before Jesus even came on to the scene. But when he did come, Jesus changed everything. You see, the Lord protected the people, but ultimately pointed to one person who could fulfill it. That was Jesus. Someone needed to come who could bring us back to God to restore us, So, because we were lost, to restore us back to who he was. That was Jesus. The promise that God gave at the beginning pointed to Jesus. The promise to Abraham about his descendants pointed to Jesus. That's why we're here today. So many believers throughout history that cannot be counted. More than you can see in the stars in the sky. The whole notion of sacrifice, escape from Egypt, of blood being shed, of an innocent needing to die to remove sin from you. It isn't even about us. It's about him. It's all about Jesus. The whole story paints around who he is. The Bible says that Jesus knew no sin, but became sin. Jesus took the punishment of death, became the sacrifice, so that through him we can live. That when he died, the Bible says the curtain, that curtain in the temple, literally tore in two. The barrier was gone. Suddenly there was a way back. Suddenly we weren't lost anymore. We could enter into God's presence. We're restored. We can be the people that God has always intended us to be. Those image bearers. The image bearers of the creator of the universe. And as I said, we don't have the conversation between Philip and the Ethiopian. We don't even know how long they spoke for. But I would guess that he had more time than I do with you today. But through scripture, Philip showed this Ethiopian that even though the world seems messed up, even though when we are honest with ourselves, we often see that we are part of the problem, that society is not improving, even because of all of those things, God has and has always had a plan. The Bible isn't just random words. So often people read it, it infuriates me. Oh yeah, it's just a load of words, just piece together. Are you joking? You read it. If you read it, it's one incredible story. It's a tapestry. It fits together. It makes sense. It shows God's plan. 
That's why as believers we praise the name of Jesus. The songs we sang today were very Jesus-heavy, weren't they? Very Jesus-heavy. We sung about blood, okay? We sung about Jesus. Someone prayed out and mentioned Jesus, okay? It's all about him. That's why we sing about what he's done. It's not just to be morbid or to speak about death. It's because his death saved us. It's to celebrate in Christ's victory. It's to join in that victory, not because we deserve it, but because he has broken in and done it for us. That through repentance of our sin and acceptance of him, we can celebrate. We're part of Christ's victory. It's amazing. And that's why I love Jesus. So what was the Ethiopian's response? I'm coming to the end now. It'll come up on the screen, hopefully. He said, well, it said, as they traveled along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, look, here is some water. What can stand in the way of my being baptized? And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. His response was simple. I'm convinced. I am convinced. What you have said resonates with my soul. I get it. I feel it. It makes sense. There's a difference within me. The Ethiopian had clearly given his life to Christ. He was saved just like the Israelites from Egypt, but he knew he had to pass through water, not just as a route to a new land, but to be joined with Christ. He had decided that he was going to follow him. And through baptism, wanted to show that he was with Jesus and his identity was with him. There would have been a lot of rejoicing in his chariot when he came out of that water and went on his way. Now, it would be foolish of me to not pause at this point and to ask the question, if there is anyone here who doesn't know Jesus and wants to? That scary question. Maybe you've walked with him before. Maybe you've made a connection loosely or with conviction, but over the years you look back and think, actually, I'm not living for Jesus. I'm just not. Or maybe you've never heard any of this before and it's all completely brand new and you're thinking, wow, suddenly this seems to make sense. I gave my life to Jesus at 15 at the time, in a meeting, I was surrounded by people that knew me. And many of them would have probably thought, that guy's a Christian. But I wasn't. I really clearly wasn't. I wasn't living for Jesus. I was living for myself. I didn't know him. I certainly didn't have a relationship with him. I could have left that meeting easily. But my heart was beating that little bit faster. And I knew if I left that meeting, it would have been a mistake. I didn't just want to follow Jesus. I needed to follow Jesus. Next year, I would have been a Christian for half my life. Okay, the big 30. Yeah, and I'm delighted that I took that opportunity to follow Christ. And if you're here today and you think, actually, I want to know him. I really want to know him. Okay, and I'll put it like this. If you walked in today and you just thought, if someone asked me, are you following Jesus? My answer would be no. If you're here today and you think, actually, I do want to follow Jesus. I really do want to follow him. I don't understand it all. I can't cross every T. I can't dot every I. But what I've heard today through the singing, through the preach, actually, I want to follow him. I want to give you an opportunity. Okay? So if you feel like that, I want to ask you to stand. Just going to wait for a little bit longer. Anyone else?
I believe that the courage you have stepped out in now is the biggest thing you have ever done. I don't even know you, but I want to cry. Okay, and, and whatever your life has been, God has been there and loves you. And this whole story, when we talk about descendants, it seems like it's a multitude, but actually, God cares about the individual amongst that multitude. Yeah, and he, he says he knows every hair on your head. Yes, it's not just about the masses, it's about the people. And he loves you. Okay, and, and at the end of this meeting, we'd love to talk to you, pray with you, and there'll be an opportunity for that. Today is a day for a stake in the ground. For this wonderful woman, and for some guys getting baptised. That's what it's about. It's been a pleasure, pleasure to tell you about Jesus. I'm just going to pray and then hand over to Owen. Lord, I thank you for your grace and your mercy. I thank you that on that cross, Jesus, you died for me. I thank you for the tapestry of your beautiful salvation, that from the very beginning you had a plan. And now in an incredible way, I'm part of that plan. And Lord, this isn't the end. It's the start of something beautiful. So we give you the glory and say there is no one like you. Amen. So in a moment, we're going to get those who are uh, to be baptised just to come and share um, just a little bit about their story. That won't be long. Um, we'll do all of them and then we'll pray for them together. But I just wanted to say some very quick things about baptism, why we do it here, why we do it in the way that we do it, um, just so you know, you know kind of thing what you're coming to. So so for us, we as, as a church, we, we baptize people um, who have come to faith in Jesus, and that is a personal decision that you can make. You, 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 can make that, you can make that as a child, you can make that as a teenager, you can make that as an adult, but when you come to that place of personal faith in Jesus, repentance and faith in Jesus, um, we're following what the Bible seems to suggest that that's the moment for baptism. So we don't, as a church, we wouldn't baptize babies on the basis that their parents are believers. We'll baptize believers, people who have come to themselves to, to that place themselves. And the Bible talks about that. Uh, secondly, we baptize people because it is it's a symbolic notion of what has happened to them when they come to this place of faith in Jesus. They, you come to a place where you die to your old life and you get raised again to new life in Christ. That that's, that's what happens when you become a Christian. You die to your old self and you now live uh, your own life for God. You no longer live it for yourself. That's what happens. And when people go into the water, when they go down into the water, it's symbolic of that dying to self and being raised to new life in Christ. So we baptize people for that symbolic reason. And you can read about that in Romans 6 if you uh, want to. Um, we baptize people because it is a public display. It's a public um, moment where you say publicly to your friends, to your family, to all who would be bothered to hear, listen or see, I now live for Jesus. It's a public thing. So there are places around the world where it can't be done so publicly, but here we can do it publicly. So we baptize people publicly because it's a way of you saying, I'm now living for him, identify with him. And that, that's one of the reasons we do it.
And we, we do it finally, I'm just going to mention, is because it's, simp- it's simple obedience. That the, the, the Great Commission, when Jesus left his disciples, what he said to them was, go and make more disciples. Go into the world and make more disciples. And he tells them to do a number of things. And the first thing is baptizing them. So we get baptized simply as an act of obedience to what God has done uh, in our lives. And, and Jesus himself was baptized. And uh, when he was baptized, there was a moment where uh, the Bible t- tells us that the Holy Spirit came down and descended upon him uh, like a dove. So there was this pleasure in God when Jesus was baptized. And, and I always feel that when people are baptized, there is a moment, there is a pleasure moment in God for you, that you those of you who are being baptized, uh, savor the moment. Savor the moment. Don't think to yourself, all right, I've just got to get through this. No, don't just get through this. Savor this moment. This is a moment of God's pleasure upon you and your life. Okay, so I want to ask those seven who are being baptized, if I refer to my phone, everyone, it's not because I'm looking at messages or anything like that. It's because I've got their names here. And I've got um, little words that I've got for them here on my phone. So I'm not playing games, just so you know that. Um, so the seven who are ba- being baptized, Sadie, Kemi, Louisa, uh, Raymond, Elwin, Raphael, and Daisy. Why don't you all come to the front and sit along here. So I just want you to sit along here. Um, now, there's only six seats, but do you know what? You're going to squeeze along together. Uh, Sadie first, then I think Kemi, then Louisa, let's do it in order, then Raymond, then Raphael, um, Raymond, uh, is it, hold on, hold on, where have I got here, Raymond, Elwin, then Raphael, and then Daisy. Okay, so this is going to be a moment of, um, of organized pleasurable chaos, yeah, over the next little while, so uh, let's just thank the Lord for that. So, I'm going to ask each of them to come out. I'm going to ask them two questions. Uh, Basically, I'm going to ask them a question about what was their life before they met Christ. And then I'm going to ask, so you all know what the questions are, what was your life before you met Christ and why are you being baptized now? So we should hear something of their history and something of what has brought them to this moment. Because uh, as Dave said, it's very individual. It's very personal. God loves the world, uh, but actually he draws us individually. He draws us personally. So the first person we're going to have up, it's a wonderful pleasure to introduce you to Sadie. Sadie, why don't you come up? Um, Andy, can I use this one as well? Okay, so this is a risk. I'm giving Sadie a microphone. This is a risk for all of you. I'm giving you a microphone, but I will take the microphone away if we're talking for too long. So... Um, If you want to know more of their story, you can ask them afterwards. We are getting the highlights of the highlights, okay? Okay, Sadie, it is wonderful to have you here because I know, uh, actually, you've been around now for a couple of years. Um, Why don't you say just a little bit about what your life was like before you met Jesus? Mm -hmm. Well, to me, my life was a mess. It was all over the place. I wasn't structured. But, um, and going along, I've been trying to find Jesus and be alongside him, but it never got there. I've tried to baptize before, but it's like I got stuck and I didn't know what to do. But 
when I came to um, Beacon and I met John, um, that was like, wow. He said, come to my church and see what's it like. And even the day I came to the church, it was like, everybody welcomed me. I'm always smiling. When I'm at home, I'm not smiling. I'm totally not smiling. But as I come to the church, everybody just welcomed me, made me feel like I'm a human being. I'm part of something. I'm part of a family. And it's been wonderful. It's been, it's been a journey, and it's been a blessing. Thanks to God. Because I've been through so much. I've been ill. I prayed to God. I've come round. I can't even believe I'm smiling today because I was really badly at the beginning of the year. But I'm smiling. I've still got my pains, but I just look through that because I prayed to God. And it's like you're saying, people say, you look good. But I'm saying, underneath it's not. But I prayed to God, and I'm here. And I've got a very good pastor and good people who think about me, pray for me, and they love me. And yeah, that's that. very, very true, Sandy. It's all very true. Um, you want the mic? No, 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 no. no so I've got one more question. So, so ju- just say really briefly, why are you being baptised today? Well, I feel that I've reached a point in my life where I'm structured now. And God is, I've got to be, because I'm all over the place. So I've met, I've seen God while I've been ill and I've prayed and I've prayed and he said to me, this is your time now, Sadie. This is your time. That's Yeah, now you sit down there, Sadie. Well done. Very good start. Okay, let's welcome Kemi, everyone. Okay, so Kemi, it's the same question to you. Um, What was your life like before you met Jesus? Um, before I met Jesus, my life was a life of brokenness, of um, pain. Um, I've been a Christian for so long, but I always did not like go. Um, I don't always obey God at all times, and I, my, I felt my paths derailed from God. So um, then I started like praying and asking God for forgiveness and everything, and. I also met John, <laughs> so he invited me to Beacon Church. And um, when I came here, I felt the sense of peace, of love. And I remember the first Sunday I came, um, I met um, Gidge, and immediately she was like, oh, you're new. And um, I felt a sense of belonging. Um, she got me to join the community group and everything. And it's been um, then also um, my son, Micah, I've, it's really a place where he has really strived. I felt his will both loved and everything and I felt like my life um, growing in Christ and everything. So so uh, just then the second question, yeah. why are you, have you come to be baptised today? Okay, um, I've come to be baptised today because um, it's like a public declaration for me that I have accepted Jesus as my personal Lord and Saviour. I want to identify with Jesus and um, in the Bible, it says, like, um, we have to be baptized of water and of spirit. And I had, um, I had the opportunity of that reaffirmation at the Alpha Weekend yesterday of um, being baptized with the Holy Spirit. It's, I felt like I never had the Holy Spirit, but I had that reaffirmation yesterday that, yes, I do have the Holy Spirit. So it just, um, it's just a win-win for me. Like, Jesus is just <laughs> everything. Okay. 
So Jesus is a win-win. Yeah. Okay, so um, Sadie, can you just stand for a moment? Because I did have a word for you. I've been praying for these guys this week. Uh, and Sadie, what I felt for you was God sees your heart, your desire for your family to know him. And that's why you bring your kids and your grandkids and they're always around you. Um, and he's going to answer your prayers. And for Kemi, I felt it's very interesting how you began. God's going to heal the brokenness inside you. Amen. Is that okay? Thank you. Okay. So, Louisa, why don't you come out? Let's welcome Louisa. Louisa, you're getting very familiar with being up here, so uh, I'm going to try and once before. Okay, so um, okay, so it's the same question to you. Um, what was your life like before you met Jesus? Really hard, from childhood up to now. Yeah, rejection, brokenness, um, just basically one big hell of a struggle yeah and so what happened and what brings you here today um well i've gone i've turned to god on and off for most of my life um and then i got to rock bottom in my life um suicidal thoughts, just a whole load of stuff, um, and that John Taylor, <laughs> amen for him, um, he came to, he came to my house, um, offered me to come to the church, um, when I first come here, just like Raymond's, I thought you were all bonkers, and what, just crazy, um, but I did feel really welcome and happy when I didn't come, the weeks that I didn't come, because I didn't come regularly like I do now, um, I felt a mess through that week. And then when I did come, the week after the weekend of me coming, it was like peace. So, yeah. Yeah. So, so why are you going to be baptised today? Because all my life, I... this. I can only talk for myself, but all my life I've um, turned to God and then gone off the rails, turned back to God. And I feel that, especially as I didn't put my name down for this baptism, by the way, <laughs> so I don't know how this happened. <laughs> um, <laughs> I feel, especially at the Alpha calls and the meeting with Peter and Lucy, I felt that God was actually saying do it now the time now is the right yeah. time so yeah that's why i'm doing it now okay. well well yeah. done well done for being obedient <laughs> so, so i I've, I've got this um word for you louisa um uh, my my mum once gave some advice to a lady many many years ago who started coming to our church and her advice to that lady that she remembered years later was was stick to the ladies in the church. 
And what I felt for you was, um, you're to stick to the women of the church. Uh, you're to look at them, you're to follow them, you're to engage with them, you're to make relationships with them. Um, and that will be of great benefit to your life. Okay. okay. Thank you. Okay, Raymond, why don't you come out? So, um, well, so this Okay, so this is Raymond, everyone. Um, Hello. <laughs> Raymond, why don't you say a little bit about what your lo life was like before you met Jesus? Um, yeah. Right, so it weren't the best uh, life. I was completely different to what I am now. I don't think most of you would have liked me if the way I was before. Um, I won't go too, too into, yeah, into too much detail. It was that bad. I won't go into too much detail on what... I'd done and how I acted, um, but I was in a very bad state. My mind was not in a good place. I was just a bit of a, a sod. <laughs> so, yeah. Okay, so <laughs> fair enough. Jesus can take us all. Um, so, so with that kind of background... Um, what, why are you getting baptised today? What happened? What's brought you here? Um, I don't know how to answer that question. I just, listen, I'm following Jesus now and, you know, I've realised that I want to go down that narrow path. I don't want to go down that broad path and, you know, I want to go to the kingdom of he heaven and just, you know, be with, be with God and praise him all the time with one big family. I don't want to, you know. I don't want to, yeah. I don't want to destroy the opportunity I have for that, you know. So I'm here to get baptized today. It's not just a recognition. It's a statement that I am His and He is mine, and mm. I'm going to do it. Yeah. So. What I felt for you, Raymond, as I was praying, was. Uh, God has handpicked you, and he's handpicked you for fruitfulness, yeah, and that your life will not be wasted. Your life will be fruitful. Amen. Amen. Okay, Elwin, why don't you come out? Doing a Paris Saint Germain top and some very smart shoes. Okay, Elwin. Um, again, these these two questions that I've asked people. Uh, the first to you: What was your life like before you met Jesus? Um, my life it wasn't hell, so um, but it wasn't great. But I thought I was a Christian. I would go to church weekly, well, not weekly, every once in a while, and. Um, I just thought I was a Christian, but it wasn't until like Dave actually put in my head that like you don't follow Christ. Like like New Day especially, New Day put in my head that I don't follow Christ, I think I do. And it wasn't until then, like New Day, that I thought, Yeah, I think I should go for Christ and follow Christ. 
So, so then what happened? What, what happened at that point? You realized I'm not a Christian, I've been going to church all this time. What happened? Um, I would say it's New Day. New Day opened my eyes. Like, things I would do, I thought were right, but they weren't. They were actually wrong. And, like, I would take things upon myself. Like, and if it would go wrong, then I would go to Christ. But it's actually, you should go to Christ before you do anything. And that's how you should work to follow Christ. So why do you want to be baptised today? I want to be baptised today because um, in order to be a Christian, you have to get baptised. Jesus said it. If you want to be a Christian, get baptised and just, yeah. So like you're being obedient? Yeah, obedient. Elwin, I I had this word for you. Um, you stand head and shoulders above your friends, yeah? <laughs> and there are lots of them, yeah? And I've seen on the football field you stand out. Yeah? Okay. <laughs> okay, the pastor says I stand out, yeah. You stand out, and I've got a bit Paul Pogba-like. You stand out. But what God says to you, Elwin, is that you are to step out of the shadows. You're to step out of the shadows. He's got great things for you. And there's a bit where you are in the shadow of some of your friends, and you're to step out of the shadows. Amen. Amen. Okay, Raphael, why don't you come out? I heard, Raphael, that you were, um, you've been taught by Dave since you were 11. Is that right? Yeah. yeah. Just summarize those seven years. <laughs> you really want me to summarize it? Yes. One word, two words. Um, so, Mr. Smith has a lot of pride, and I have a lot of pride. <laughs> so, we got along, but I was a bit rebellious. So, it was his job to kind of show me that yeah. I'm not as big and bad as I thought I was. <laughs> so, uh, the fact that you're here must say that he's done something right there. Yeah, definitely. Okay. Okay, so why don't you just say a little bit about what your life was like before you came to Christ? Um, I'll say that my life was a bit weird because I had two types of friends. So I had the friends that you see here now and then I had the friends that would... So in Proverbs, it says, bad character corrupts good... I mean, bad company corrupts good character. So having bad... not, Not bad friends, but having friends that were different to me kind of got to me. So I started doing things that I didn't really need to do. Okay. So I became more angry and aggressive. Okay. I felt like I needed to defend myself when I didn't actually need to. Okay. And I think it caused it caused some problems in my life for a bit. Okay. And yeah, but having the friends that I have now, they changed they changed me. They invested time into me, okay. taught me about God. And I, I liked it, so I started coming to church once in a while sometimes. 
late, but I still came. Yeah. Uh, and then I went to New Day. Okay. Was this your first New Day? This yeah, this was my first New Day. Okay. So before this New Day, I used to, I used to resist talking about God. I used to like, I didn't really want it, but I wanted to know Him, but I just didn't want it. I don't know why. Yeah, so yeah. it was okay. weird. But at New Day, it's like something came over me, and I couldn't resist it no more. So it was like I had to, I had to talk to God, I had to let Him in. Yeah. Okay. So, having gone through that experience, so that's really just this summer, just a few months ago. Um, why are you being baptized today? Um, I'm being baptized because I feel like I not only need to give to my friends and my family the time that they've invested into me to show them that it's working, but I need to show God that it's working in me as well, that I'm, I'm ready to become a Christian. Okay. Well done, my friend. If I just think about, <clears throat> I don't know how many years Dave has been bringing some of the boys to New Day. Four years, maybe? I can't remember how many years. Um... And in a way, this is like this f- was your first new day. So some of them have been around for, for, for a little while. I, f- I felt this only very recently for you. The Bible says that the first shall be last and the last shall be first. And that though you have come, if you like, right at the end, because there's going to come a point where you're not even, where you're too old just to go to new day. Uh, but it's not been too late for you. You're included. That 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 element of the last shall be first applies to you. And that you can live a life going, do you know what? The last will be first in God. And that's you, Raphael. Thank you. Okay, Daisy. (laughs) (laughs) See how she's walked away from me. (laughs) Shall I walk over here, Daisy? Um, so da- Daisy, I know you weren't expecting me to do this, and it's it's, it's Dad and it's Daisy. Um, so, um, Daisy, what was your life like before? <laughs> Tell the people what your life was like before you became a Christian. Um, well, I think I was blessed to be, you know, brought up in a Christian family, always going to church, even if. I wasn't enjoying it at the time. I was still blessed to be in that environment. But I think it was a bit of just being in, like, the shadows of whether it's my parents or my sisters. Like, they were all Christians. They got baptized at a much earlier age, and it was like I was still just there. And it's like, if I'm not following God, then I'm doing something wrong. And it's like, I may have not been doing bad things, but I was doing, like, something wrong kind of thing. So, um, yeah. So, so, so what happened? Um, I think two years ago, I think at the weekend away, um, when Angela Kem was there, she kind of like had a word for me and it was, and it stuck with me to this day over the past two years. I've just been thinking that it's not about my ability, but my availability. And I think that, that that's just been something I've struggled with. Like I'm thinking, oh, I'm not ready or something like that. And it's like, you're never going to be ready. And it's like, God wants me and it's like, I'm, I'm available. It's like, whether I think I can do stuff, whether I think I'm ready, it's like, I want God to use me, I want 
so many things and it's like I'm asking for everything and I'm not doing anything really. It's like I want I've seen like so many amazing people and I want like God to make me like bold, confident, wise and in his word and I think I'm just getting baptized today to show God like I'm being obedient and that I'm ready for it. Like that's it really <laughs> So I, I, I got a word for you, Daisy, and it's a bit unfair on Daisy because she's my daughter. But this is what I felt uh, God say, that you, it's really simple, stay close to the family way, the way you were raised, and he's going to bless you abundantly. Okay, so we're... Time presses, but what I want to do, what I want you to do, and this is a bit odd, is you seven. I just want you to just stand down the middle here. Can you just quickly all say, do you go to the end? Just stand down the middle. Sadie at the end, and then Kemi in a line. Don't go too far, Sadie. Stand in order, Raymond. Okay, and I want everyone just to stand up and really just reach a hand out to them. Slight mo- and, I, and I just want us to pray. Just, just begin to pray. Let's all lift our voices. Uh, those of you in Beacon, you know how to pray. So let's pray out for these seven. Let's pray a blessing upon their lives. Father, we want to give you thanks for just the wonderful stories that we've heard. Um, um, Lord, not many words, but a, a real sense that you have changed lives here. That these are uh, people who's trajectory is different because they've encountered you and where they're going is going to be very different to what they imagined and for some of them what they even imagined a year ago six months ago it's different because they've encountered you and father we are praying that this will be a stake in the ground moment for their lives i pray for every person looking on lord god wherever we are in our faith that this will provoke us. We will be provoked to go deeper, to go further, to give ourselves to following you as these guys are doing today. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You have just listened to a Beacon Church recording. If you would like more information about us, our vision, the team, or upcoming events, please visit our website, which is beacon-church.org. You can email us at office at beacon-church.com or find us socially on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. You are welcome to share this recording as you wish, but please do not make any edits without express consent. Thank you.